0: Welcome to Encouraging Truths for today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. Let's talk about having a grateful heart for a gracious God. Now I want to give you the context of 1 Chronicles 16 before we read that. What has transpired is David has led the kingdom in a battle against the Philistines the arch rival of the kingdom of God at that point and they have won a victory and one thing that they're doing is they are transporting the ark of the covenant now remember the ark of the covenant was known as the place of atonement there were cherubim atop the the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant that's where the blood was applied and that's where god spoke it symbolized the the holy majestic presence of god now on that ark that uh, golden overlaid box there were rings in which to put poles in which to by which to transport the ark you may recall However, when they first began to transport the ark, they ignored that and they simply put it on a cart. And as they were traveling with the ark to bring it to the place where it would be central to the people of God, it looked like it was going to fall and a man named Uzzah Uzzah, reached up and steadied the ark and he was struck dead for touching the ark because no human hand was to come in contact with that. And so the anger of the Lord was expressed there. David is troubled by that. He is afraid of God at this point. Then they get things right with God, and they transport the ark in the proper way, and they bring it to reside in the city where David is reigning as king, under the kingship of God himself. And when the ark is being put in place, they offer sacrifices, they're celebrating. It is a major event. And the kingdom has gathered in celebration. And David composes a prayer. He composes a prayer that takes a phrase that will be very central from this point on in the Old Testament, and that is, his mercy endures forever. We will find that phrase used in times of worship, dedicating the temple that Solomon built. We'll find that phrase used when Jehoshaphat leads the people out into battle and the, the singers are out front and they're singing, his mercy endures forever as far as I can see and beyond. And the further I go in his mercy, the further it extends from my sight and my ability to comprehend. And so in this context, he gives us a great example as he passes this prayer to Asaph to be offered at the dedication or the celebration of the return of that visible expression of the presence of God, the mercy seat, the place of atonement. And the first two verses of the passage will be the focus of our message today because it sets the foundation for the rest of the prayer and it it gives us a great example of how to have a foundation in your life of a grateful heart for a gracious God. And so we're going to read actually the entire prayer, verses 7 through 36 of 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And we will then focus on the first two verses of that prayer for the message today. And on that day, beginning of verse 7, and on that day David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among his peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember His marvelous works which He has done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. O seed of Israel, His servant, you children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember His covenant always, the word which He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which He made with Abraham And his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance when you were but few in number indeed very few and strangers in it when they went from one nation to another from one kingdom to another people he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all the peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, He is also to be feared above all other gods. For all the gods of the people are idols or worthless things, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O kindreds of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Then the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O God of our salvation, gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles or nations, to give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said amen and praised the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, with what joy we read the words of this passage. Father, as we contemplate their, their salvation and their deliverance from a, a physical, geographical enemy. We stand in awe of the deliverance and salvation you have brought to us in Christ Jesus over an eternal spiritual enemy by the very blood of Jesus. So Father, we celebrate that today. We have so much more for which to be grateful cause of your blessing in our lives. and So Father, I pray you would guide our time together today in your word and that you would please speak to us from your word and that a voice besides mine would be heard because unless you speak, I have nothing at all to say and we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, that just kind of gets your adrenaline flowing thinking about the congregation of of thousands upon thousands shouting amen at the conclusion and the the energy with which they were praising the Lord and and mounting up about Him. I think you perhaps noticed that, that as we read that, it was very centered on the character and the person of God. It talked about His glory and His majesty, and your place, and, and your kingdom, whatever those phrases were, your praise, your holy name, it, it all centered upon him. When they were calling them to praise him, when they were actually praising him, it was all focused on the Lord. That's the first thing that, it's not the first point, but the first thing that stands out to me in this passage is that when people in scripture prayed, they prayed, Father focused, kingdom-centered, God-sized prayers because the whole focus was on Him. Think about the shallow way in which we pray when we pray with me and mine, us and ours, rather than coming in the presence of a holy God and just focusing on the one to whom we pray, the one whom we are addressing, and then bringing those requests to a loving Father and all of His majesty and glory and celebrating that. What a key this is to prayer. But I want us to dig into this passage by first reflecting on two sins that we can be guilty of. One sin would be the opposite of this passage and that would be not gratitude, but the opposite of that, ingratitude. That would be living our lives without ever even being prompted, without ever being conscious of our need to say thank you to God. Now, Kobe and Brittany are expecting our our second, most beautiful little girl, baby, into our family. There's my blizzard statement for the morning. And one of the things they will teach her is to always say what? Please and thank you. We talk about doing that in human relationships. We we call that good manners. We we ask for things, and and every child except for my grandchildren will say mine and take something, but but my grandchildren are just born with this nice uh, temperament where they, they just say please and thank you and that kind of thing. And we work on that, don't we? And we constantly correct and we constantly emphasize, no, 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 you tell them, thank you. That's one of the first things we learn and one of the first things we forget when it comes to God. I remember studying uh, a study by T.W. Hunt called The Prayer Life, and then later it was retitled The Disciples' Prayer Life. In there, you had a homework assignment to pretend for 24 hours that anything you did not thank God for would be taken away. Now, it's just pretend. But it gave you a mindset of thanking God for every single blessing, Every breath that you breathed, every beautiful sight that you saw, every person that meant something to you, it just gave you a consciousness about that. Can you imagine the difference that made in those 24 hours in my life, just living a life of gratitude to God, those, those simple, simple things? You know, when I came across someone with bad breath, I thanked God for mouthwash and toothpaste even in the absence of some things I gave thanks for, for that to God and so we can be guilty of the sin of ingratitude where we begin to live as if we deserve his mercy and his grace it, 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 we can begin to live like his focus is on us and he's all about us when the reality is we should be all about him but the second sin Next to ingratitude that's perhaps even more subtle is short-sighted gratitude, short-sighted gratitude. And so I want us to enter into the passage now and, and look at the opposite of that short-sighted gratitude and talk about it. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So the first thing in the passage here I want you to see is God is worthy of our gratitude. Now that sounds like a simple, trite statement. But just think about those words. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. What is it that I can give God One thing I can give him is my thanks. Another thing is my praise. My thanks focuses on what he does. My praise focuses on who he is. And so a moment ago when we were singing those beautiful worship songs, we were doing both of those things. We were praising him for who he is and thanking him for what he does. And so here the psalmist is challenged by the king to bring this prayer forth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now, here's what short-sighted gratitude is. We pray for healing, and then we thank the doctor. We pray for safety, and then we brag on our automobile and the driver. We pray for any number of things, and then we thank what is called a second cause. So who is the first cause of all goodness? God. His mercy endures forever. He is good, and all goodness flows from God. And so none of us are the source of goodness. Good always is initiated by God. And when God initiates good, we are not the source of that. We are simply channels or conduits of that goodness. And so today, as I preach, I hope you don't focus on me. And if God speaks to you, say that God spoke to me today. It wasn't that I connected with you. That might happen but it's because God is pouring a message through me to you. And when goodness comes into my life through you, I'm tempted to focus on you and say, oh, they really love and appreciate me, when in reality, God is expressing his love to me through you. So it's not wrong to thank people, but you should ultimately give more praise and thanks to God for any goodness that comes into your life. And so, what an appropriate phrase for us to carry into the Thanksgiving season. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Have you noticed most of the posters or most of the uh, banners or whatever simply say, give thanks? That's politically correct. But biblically correct would be, oh, give thanks to the lord he is good and his mercy endures forever he's the only one that was here before us and will be here after us he is the eternal god and we give him glory we give him thanks for what he does because he is the first cause other people are the second cause now here's what happens to us at times When we so focus on a second cause in our life and we give thanks to them and we give praise for them and we do all these things focusing on a second cause and then they disappoint us, we're devastated. But here's the reality. They weren't the source of that goodness. God was the source of that goodness. And God never fails. God never disappoints. God is never inactive in your life even though you can't see it. People come and go, people are up and down, but that first cause of all goodness is eternal. That's where we must keep our focus. So let's look at James toward the end of the New Testament, James chapter 1. You find words concerning this in the New Testament. It's in the context of temptation the fact that God doesn't tempt anyone. We are drawn by our flesh and our ungodly desires towards sin, not tempted by God. And then in verse 16 of James chapter 1, it says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. First John says he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He never changes, he, he never casts his shadow in different directions. He has no shadow, he is eternal, he is light and he gives freely every good gift and every perfect gift. Also Psalm 52.1 says this, the goodness of God endures continually, continually. Don't you wish your goodness endured continually? Don't you wish the people in your life that their goodness would endure continually? It doesn't work for us. But with God, his goodness endures Continually, And every good and perfect gift is from him. So I want to challenge you in this season of giving thanks to start with the first cause. Give him praise and thanks. And then secondly, express gratitude to those that are used by God and mention God in that gratitude lest you shift your focus. I so appreciate your steadfastness as a friend because it reminds me that God is steadfast in his love for me. I so appreciate the joy that God has given you that you emit toward me because it brings alive the joy of the Lord within me. Now, I'm not saying flatter people or overstate it, but just keep it God-centered. Oh, give thanks to the Lord Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So first thing is the simple, plain truth here. It seems God is worthy of our gratitude. But then secondly, gratitude gives birth to believing prayer. Notice what he says next. Give thanks to the Lord call upon his name. Haven't you seen how when you see God at work, it strengthens your life of prayer? When you see God doing something and you give him thanks for that, doesn't it just strengthen you when you begin to bring requests to him? When you see God fulfill a promise and you give thanks to the Lord, aren't you ready to keep calling upon his name? But too many times, we're always asking and never celebrating what God does in response to our prayers. But if you want to deepen the faith by which you pray, begin to give thanks to the Lord when he responds in your life. Gratitude gives birth to believing prayer. It's like you're exercising your trust and faith muscle before the Lord you, you ask and you trust and then you give thanks you trust and you give thanks you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 with a lunchable he took the, the bread and the fish just a handful of food and he looked toward heaven and he blessed it and gave thanks to God, the Father, fed 5,000 men plus women and children, could be up in the neighborhood of 20,000 people with one lunchable. I challenge you, if you go to a grocery store this afternoon, walk by and look at a lunchable, hold it in your hands and give thanks to God. So what was Jesus doing there? He's modeling for us, you, you You trust him, you receive, you thank him. But many times we trust him and he acts on our behalf, but we fail to thank him. But when you trust him and thank him, trust him and thank him, and you see him fulfilling his promises and you're exercising that faith muscle and that gratitude muscle, those two are like two arms of of your relationship with God in prayer, that that faith and trust muscle and thanksgiving muscle, and it gives birth to believing prayer. So you might say, well, I I wish I had more faith. Well, maybe you need to have more gratitude and that'll build your faith. Just start looking at where God is at work and, and begin to thank him. Just reflect on what God has done in the past. Just just go through your life this Thanksgiving season and begin to, to walk through that. I, I think of the times that God spared me from handicap, from injury, from death. I look at all of that and I thank him for that. And some of that was prior to my salvation. Oh, thank Jesus that, that I came to know Christ. And then I look at his enduring mercy and grace and, and the list could be endless in my life and in your life. And as you do that and you begin to celebrate what God has done, you you just get excited about what God's going to do. And so he says, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Why give thanks to him? Because God is worthy of our gratitude. Why call upon his name? Because gratitude gives birth to believing prayer. And then thirdly and finally, the end of verse 8, In verse 9, we see that genuine gratitude acknowledges and announces the activity of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples or the nations, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. And then these begin to express themselves throughout the rest of the psalm. So how do we acknowledge and announce the activity of God? First of all, through witness. As a witness to Christ in the New Testament believer's life, we witness to Christ and His saving power in our lives and His provisional power in our lives. We make known His deeds among the people's Then in verse 9, we talk of all his wondrous works. Something that impressed me early on about my beautiful bride before we were ever even dating, I heard someone say, you have beautiful red hair. And she said, thank you, God gave me that. And I thought, wow, what a witness. Just shifting the focus to God. So one way that we acknowledge and announce the activity of God is through our witness to others. The reality is people are not going to connect the dots on their own if they are lost. That is spiritual truth that must be spiritually discerned or clearly explained. I believe it's in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. They're not going to connect the dots And so we think, well, if I show them love, they're going to connect the dots. If I show them gratitude, they're going to connect the dots and they're going to know it's because I'm a believer. They don't know that. They think, well, you came from a better background than I do or you've had a better life than I've had. And when they say, how can you have so much peace and hope amidst grief? What a great time to say, well, I have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. And he has given me eternal life by the forgiveness of my sins and I have repented and put my trust in him and because that ultimate battle is sealed for me by the blood of Jesus, I can go through anything else with peace and hope. Or or why, why are you always joyful? How can you be joyful when things are bad? Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and he's given me a joy that doesn't depend upon circumstances. It's anchored in eternity. People hunger for that. You just connect the dots and you don't have to preach like I sounded like I was. You can do it simply. So that's what he's talking about. You, you give thanks to the Lord because he's worthy of our gratitude. You let your gratitude give birth to believing prayer and then genuine gratitude acknowledges and announces the activity of God through our witness. That's what he's talking about here in those two phrases in verse 8 and verse 9. Make known his deeds among the peoples. In the Old Testament, the words peoples or Gentiles, that we would call those today people groups or nationalities or ethnic groups come up with newer terms the same thing who were the nations to them they were people that were estranged to the the understanding of god they were surrounded by people that worshiped multiple gods they were surrounded by people that had no concept of one true god expressed in three persons They were monotheistic. The world was polytheistic, many gods. And so they were to make known the deeds of the God of the universe among the peoples. Why? Because in verse 26, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless things and idols, but the Lord made the heavens. You might say, well, I don't know anybody that bows down at a shrine or an idol. Sure you do. Our culture worships materialism. They worship political viewpoints. They worship their traditions. They worship their ancestry. They worship themselves. They are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. There are all kinds of idols outside in the world. They are polytheistic. They're worshiping all these gods that are worthless and temporal, but we know the one true eternal God, and we are to witness to that reality. Our goal is to lift their eyes above those idols and point them toward Christ who gave himself so that all could come to know him, who put their faith and trust in him through repentance. So we do that through our witness. I hope that that you have opportunity to do that around family during Thanksgiving. Not a holier-than-thou attitude, but simply being God-centered, praying prayers that focus on him and really give him glory when you're around family, during Thanksgiving. Through your witness. And then the second way that we show genuine gratitude, acknowledging and announcing the activity of God is through worship, witness and worship. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. we could discuss the pros and cons of contemporary worship today. And we could discuss the pros and cons of not hymns from the 1600s and 1700s, 1800s, but from the 20th century. Here's the pros and cons. If you take an older hymnal just from the 20th century, there were a lot of thanksgiving hymns in there where we were singing about the Lord. If you look at a lot, the overwhelming majority of the contemporary worship music, new hymns that are being written, you realize we are singing new hymns that have that meter of a hymn and the expression of the gospel in them, but the overwhelming majority of them are to the Lord which is right. Both. We need both of those. We need to express our thanksgiving and our praise to God. And so, so what is happening here? It's it's a correction of, of what we failed to do here in many cases. And when they blend those together, what have we got? We've got praise and thanksgiving. Isn't that wonderful? So we shouldn't be caught up on when it was written or how it was written, but we, we've gotten back to, to where we need to be because we're, we're singing older hymns, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing today, you know, celebrating Him. And over here we're, we're singing other songs that, that are to Him as well, and then there's songs about Him and to Him, and, and we're finding balance in our praise and thanksgiving. And you need both. So the psalm starts here. Verse 8, or the prayer, oh, give thanks to the Lord, thanksgiving. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. You notice the difference singing about God and singing to him? Now, there are some songs. Sometimes I'll just, I'll Google and YouTube a song and, and play it, and just turn it on in the room where Deanna's. God gave me you, or when God made you, He must have been thinking about me, or you know some other mushier, less, less spiritual songs, and she she's good with that, right? Then I have this little song I've made up about her. It goes, I'm not going to sing it for you. It's not about you. It's just personal and precious to me. And I'll, I'll sing that song to her, and there's a different feeling to that song. And it's the same way with God. There are some moments that we celebrate. We're in front of everybody and we're just saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You've done this for me. You've cleansed my sins. You've forgiven me. You're taking me to heaven. We're celebrating that. But there are some times it's just too intimate. And we, we are singing here before Him, even in a crowd, and we forget anybody else is there. Why? Because there's that intimate connection with a God that is divinely distant. personally present and we worship Him and we praise Him. So when we come to worship we do those two things. We witness of His activity. We announce it. We acknowledge it. This is what He has done. And we worship Him. We acknowledge and announce who He is. We are announcing the essence of of our God. And when we leave this place and we live in an atmosphere of worship, what does that do? It overflows into an atmosphere of witness. You see, if you're not giving thanks to Him and you're not giving worship to Him, you're not going to witness about Him. But when He is on your mind, And when you're giving thanks to the Lord and you're singing to Him, singing songs to Him, and you're worshiping Him and you come in contact with somebody, you've been thinking about them. You're like a grandmother with photos and a cell phone and they know how to use them. You're ready to talk about Him. You're ready to paint word pictures about Him. Why? Because He is the greatest thing the greatest one in your life and you want to let him be known and you want to make him known. So that's what the psalmist is challenged to do by the king. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Can you imagine entering into your family gathering and saying, could we we do something together? What's that? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Could we sing to him and sing psalms to him and talk of all his wondrous works? And then you find in verse 34, Another expression, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Now, remember the context of this. They were bringing the Ark of the Covenant, carried with it the law, had a mercy seat where the blood would be applied, And on the Day of Atonement, only the high priest, the chief priest, could go in. They had a cord around his ankle in case he did something inappropriately or was not completely cleansed before he entered there. Should he die, no one else could go in to bring him out, so they had a cord tied to his ankle to pull him out. I mean, it was a holy moment. They had to do it just right. In preparation for placing the ark, they couldn't do it improperly. They had to do it correctly because they were dealing with a holy God, not just a fellow human being. This was holiness, not humanity they were dealing with. And when they did it right, there was great joy and celebration. Well, today we celebrate the mercy seat not the Ark of the Covenant, but the Son of God on a cross where the blood was shed on our behalf. And it was brought into the Holy of Holies by him, it says in Hebrews, and he he placed it before the Father. Our high priest, sacrifices well, offered his blood on our behalf in payment for our sins. Can you imagine that? Not an animal, but the very Son of God presenting that blood. And it says, having offered himself on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You know the one thing the chief priest didn't do when he was in there? The high priest, when he was offering sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, he never sat down. There was not a chair in there. He was to work, 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 and it would atone for one year. And then they come back and do it again. they repent and all that. Because it covered their sin. But when Jesus did that, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? It's over. It's finished. Nothing to be added. Complete. And that blood is eternally sufficient for all who repent and believe in Jesus. So in a sense, when the scripture tells us Let each person examine themselves before they come to partake of the Lord's Supper, symbolizing the the body and the blood of Jesus. We need to take that seriously. This is a holy God we're dealing with. This represents the blood of Christ. There's nothing magic about the juice or the wafer. It, it, It just represents that. It symbolizes that, but it symbolizes something very sacred and very holy, And we must come and partake in a proper way lest we bring judgment upon ourselves. So if you're a believer today, we invite you to come to the table in just a moment and partake of the Lord's Supper, celebrating the activity of God and as you come doing what that passage we focused on today talks about. Because there on the ultimate mercy seat, a sacrifice was made. We celebrate that. If you're not a believer in Christ, you never repented and trusted Him, would you come and let me share with you how you can do that? Don't partake in an unworthy manner. And then, as we come, many of us give offerings and tithes in these receptacles. The scripture says, Let each man give as he purposes in his heart. And one thing we purpose is to tithe, then, above that, we give offerings. And so we come to give. Why? Because God gave so much for us. So that's why we give. We give not because God is hurting for our finances. We give because He's worthy. We partake because Christ is worthy. We celebrate his free forgiveness. We give not to put down an installment on our forgiveness, but to express that we have been forgiven and we want to obey the God who gave everything for us. We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people. Making a Difference by Making Disciples from Our Neighborhood to the Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrocket.org. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.